Okay. Okay, everybody. <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome to the Lanky Guys from NPR. <laughs> Hi, my name. My name is Lanky Guy. My name is also Lanky Guy. We have numbers we've been assigned. Mine is number two. The weather today is a chilly zero degrees. We'll get lots of traffic on I-25. <laughs> Dude, thanks for listening. <laughs> And now back to our regularly scheduled. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Hi, everybody. Oh my gosh, dude! Somebody just jumped <laughs> totally in their car. They I'm thought- so sorry about that, mom or somebody. Oh shoot! It was your mom. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Marie. <laughs> She's having adrenaline oh, shot, dude. Marie. She was like, "Woo, that was very interesting, there, son." <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, here we are again, Father Peter. Uh, By the way, my name is Scott Pell. And I am Father Peter. And we are the Lanky Guys. And this is the Word on the Hill. And that is that. And what, what? what Bring what? it on. Well, I'm bringing it, man. Dude, I uh, I have to say, we've got a lot of positive feedback over the last week of uh, for the last podcast. So Unbelievable. if you're interested in finding out what the Lanky Guys are like, turn this podcast off and go and listen to last week one. Last week's one for the presentation. This, week, this week's will not be very good. <laughs> According <laughs> We've to- We've already decided that. No. I have already decided you that. You decided. I could tell. That's why I told them to listen last week. Then we're free. And then we can just have fun now. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> for those of you who are left- Then- then Here we go. Let's let's dig in. Okay. Let's do this. Um, Modern events that are happening in the world. Did you hear about this crazy debate that happened last night between the like creationism and evolution- where Bill no. Bill Nye the science guy man showed up with Dude. his bow ties up here in Boulder? No, no, it was in some place in Kentucky, some place called the Creation Museum. Oh, which I, we don't have to get into this, but I I so I heard that this thing was happening, this creationism versus evolution debate. Okay, your printer's doing something. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I heard about this thing and I knew it was happening. It was on YouTube and stuff, and then I woke up and it was like. All these headlines today. It was on NPR. It was on like Yahoo News. Like everybody's talking about this creationism versus evolution debate. And it sounds, I mean, that doesn't sound very Catholic. No, I was, I did a little YouTube video on our websites, on our Facebook sites, the Thomas Center stuff, just because I was like, how come nobody invited the Catholics, man? Yeah. It just, it's so lame. And it's, I, oh, man. The reason why they don't invite the Catholics is because we're not polemical. We we're don't... reasonable. We actually have, oh. <clears throat> We have the ability to, to uh, deal with evolution as a theory. Yes, because we actually, because uh, yeah, yeah, I've just been fr- I've been a little frustrated all day, and nobody's been. I mean, well, I, I just listen to NPR, and they're always peaceful and calm about everything, even when they're insulting you. <laughs> <laughs> when people are forming universal opinions, as if we're uh, as if as if faith and reason are in opposition, and that is like a right. prime principle of Catholic theology: faith and reason are in harmony. They are, and Bing I mean. That, ball. <laughs> Hi, I'm Reason. Can the I pro- be in harmony with your faith? Yes, you can. All right. But the, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But the, I mean, the thing that's so frustrating, and this is why I bring this up, and we're not going to tell you any more about this than okay, this. Okay, nothing else. The reason, I mean, the reason why I bring this up is that that um, we've created the wrong we've created the wrong dichotomy, and our, we've allowed society or the media or whoever it is to paint this picture for us that you're either on one end you're either this, you know, radical atheist evolutionist that believes that everything is by chance, period, or you're this naive Christian fundamentalist and there's no room for me to come in in the middle and say, "Well, no, 
I actually believe that God created everything there is, but there's actually room in the Catholic view of the creation account that he actually did it through these processes that science actually illuminates for us and that these things are not in conflict with each other. But I can actually hold both of these things in tension and actually be a good Catholic. It's frustrating to me. Yes. Because there's no categories for that in our society. Yes. Did I just uh, alienate a bunch of our population? You alienated me. I mean, like, I don't You really... just shut down. I just saw it in your face. You just shut off. Well, no, I, I was listening. And I was, I, I was, I heard a jackhammer. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, why is there a jackhammer in my house? That was but then I realized that um, we're having renovation work done on the bathroom on the third floor. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that why you have this? Or second floor, I should say. We have the second floor. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I have a curtain up because it, it's cold. Can you mind a fort? Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah, I can't. Okay, so everybody, all can too. Okay. everybody, you guys will hear that, and but that's just welcome. The, the floor rotted through, so oh, um, so we have to put a new floor in the bathroom upstairs. Thanks a lot, Father Brady. Gosh, <laughs> could just close the shower thing, man. I know, seriously, man. Okay, all right. today is Isaiah 58, 7 through 10. Okay, first of all, Father Peter, we are in the fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time. Oh, dude, I forgot about I that. I you can't forget that. Yo, it's the fifth. It's the fifth Sunday. So, what what's our first reading today on the fifth Sunday? It is Isaiah fifty eight, chapter that is already, <laughs> and verses seven through ten. Very good. Psalm one hundred and twelve verses four to five, comma six to seven, comma eight to nine. Very good. No comma. Uh, what is our second reading, Father Peter? Our uh, is uh, first core, <laughs> chapter two. Verses one through five. Very good. Ah. In our gospel. Our gospel, the good news today is from Matthew chapter five, verses 13 to 16. All right. Do you want to hear the bummer of this, though? Yeah, I do. So here's the thing. Um, the fourth Sunday of Ordinary Time got usurped from us. I did, we got we got by um by the by um, the presentation, presentation, which is a beautiful feast, and I we're mean, grateful for the feast. Talk to me about it. Yes, but but because of that, and because we missed the the fourth Sunday, we missed what would have normally been the normal readings for the fourth Sunday of Ordinary Time. Oh, which would have been the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, oh. with which we actually jump into the middle of it this week because, of course, the feast took precedence, so we didn't get that. So why are you smiling? <laughs> because uh, Father Brady is trying to figure out how to get through the, my blanket fort. I was trying to figure out. How to <laughs> it's weird. No, yeah. it's cool though. Yeah. So, so it's kind of a shame, but we missed the very first part of the Sermon on the Mount. So we're kind of being thrown in to the Sermon on the Mount this week. But just so you know, your liturgical minds can be set at ease. Okay. We would have had more of it had we not had the Feast of the Presentation fall when it did. Oh, that's okay. all I got. So there you yeah. go. There you have it. All right, Isaiah. Back to Isaiah. We're back to Isaiah. I, I jinxed us last week by talking about how we were out of Isaiah for a little while. But then I realized we're only out of Isaiah because it was a feast day. Uh, Every yeah. Sunday is a feast, but it was a special feast. Mm. <laughs> are, you, are you somewhere else? Yes. Are you on Twitter? No. Okay. I know. I got text messages of like ASAP urgent. Uh-oh. Like, Shoot. Yeah, so I was trying to deal with those while I was – I was trying to multi-thread my conversation with you and the people. Okay. And dude, this thing is my processors don't do multi-threading very well. No, no, none of ours do. Yeah. Mail. I, I'm told by my wife that males don't um, multi-process. multitask. Sorry, I was thinking about something else. 
Dude, get it. <laughs> okay, that was so really I, good. Isaiah, I know you totally, you totally shanked us on that one. You were like, "We're out of Isaiah." Well, and then, I forgot that it was just a feast. Isaiah's great though; it's wonderful. It's the fifth gospel for Pete's sake. It is, and I'm tired of it, but no, I love it still. Okay. It is okay. the revelation of God. So here, I have to. I have a confession to make. Okay, I don't have much to say about these readings this week, and I'm I'm struggling with them a little. I, I see the connection. But I'm I'm having trouble getting very deep with them, and okay. so I'm I'm gonna count on you. I well, need I need to I need to make a I can need to call an audible, um, today. Okay. What I need us to do yeah, is I think we need to actually start ourselves, in um uh we'll start with Isaiah and then we're gonna go to the gospel. I can't handle this. <laughs> I, I <laughs> okay. accidentally we were having microphone problems and I knocked a, a painting so that it's a totally giant a, a giant <laughs> painting of what is that St. Peter's? No, that's um the uh the Pantheon. Yeah, of course it's the Pantheon. The Pantheon. Um and now it's cattywampus on my wall, but it, I mean it's like a four foot painting. I can't really handle it. Okay, no, it's good. <laughs> okay. So Isaiah fifty eight. Um we're in the <laughs> what? <laughs> This is such a wild. There's construction, Father Brady. There's a painting. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like buzzing. negative eighty degrees outside. Dude, we are in crazy a polar cold. vortex. Polar vortex. Yes. All right. Um. So okay, Isaiah fifty-eight. Quick crash course on the book of Isaiah. Yeah. There's two halves to Isaiah. Sorry, this is what I said every day for like, <laughs> like two months. I know. No, but there are two halves to Isaiah. There's the bad news. There's the good news. Bad news is you're going to get punished because you've been jerks. Good news is that once that happens, God is going to restore everything. Yeah. The good news starts in chapter 40. So we are in the good news part of it. This is chapter 58. 58. For those of you who forgot. Thus saith the Lord. Ow. Sorry. Share your bread. Okay, share your bread with the hungry. Shelter the oppressed <laughs> and the homeless. Clothe the naked when you see them. Do not turn your back on your own. Uh, then your light shall break forth like the dawn, dawn, and you and your wounds shall be quickly healed. Your Yay. vindication will go before you, et cetera, et cetera. Let's just, I think, I wonder if, do you need me to pause this? Are you no, busy? Do you have no, things to do? Do you have I, someplace to be, Father Peter? I have many things to be no, and many things to do, okay. and I'm here with you. Thank and you. all of the people who are listening, thousands of them, you were, we're I'm interrupting thousands of people oh, right no. now trying to figure out how to listen to this Keep podcast. your eyes on the road, people. <laughs> No, you're okay, so keep okay. going. So I mean, think about this. Uh, forget for a second that we have our gospel reading. I mean, we do have a... But say so you're just reading this on your own. Now, most... Yeah. I don't think many of us are super familiar with Isaiah. Just your average Catholic or even Christian on the street. Just we're not that familiar with Isaiah. Yeah. But you read this. If I, if I didn't tell you what I was reading, if I just threw this at you out of nowhere, no context, and I said, oh, there's this passage from Scripture... This says, share your bread with the hungry, shelter the oppressed and the homeless, clothe the naked when you see them, don't turn your back, you will be like a light. What would you think I'm reading from? Um, what does that sound like? Clothe the justice. naked, um, feed the hungry. Oh, for Pope Francis. Yeah, I set that up poorly. It sounds like Jesus. It Doesn't sounds it? like Jesus. No, I, I set that up terribly, but I mean... I. What, what Catholics kind of know, what Christians kind of know about Jesus is that he told us in the New Testament to feed. So, okay, here's what I'm trying to say, I guess. We're, all, we're always spitballing this whole show. So here's what I'm trying to say, though. Say it. We have this bad, we have this false dichotomy in our minds. I think it was partially blamed by Martin Luther, who set this up for us. But we have this false dichotomy between Old Testament and New Testament. Yes, Marcionism, yeah. Totally. And we don't know what to do with the two. And we think of the God of the New Testament is love and mercy and social justice and, um, you know, the corporal works of mercy and things like that. And we think of the God of the Old Testament is mean and cruel and wrath and kill all the people around you and slaughter these nations and wipe out those nations. 
And so just based on this kind of bad dichotomy people have, when you hear about loving your neighbor and feeding the hungry and you're going to be like the light of the world, yeah. I think most people's minds jumped, oh, it sounds like Jesus. Yeah. And we don't we forget the fact that Jesus in the Gospels is actually not doing that much that's utterly new. He's calling Israel back to what they were called to be in the first place. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount mm. is actually up to. The Sermon on the Mount is not this new, profound teaching that no one's ever heard before. He's calling Israel to what they were always called to and failed at. Yeah. <laughs> you look like you had something No, really man, I'm just say. processing, dude. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I'm thinking as I'm reading this. The other thing I want to point out, so he, it, it brings up, you know, you'll be like light, your light will break forth like the dawn, your wound shall be quickly healed. Now remember at this point in Isaiah, Isaiah has already told them, since you broke the covenant, you're going to be punished. And now in the section on hope, it says, but your wound will be healed. How is their wound going to be healed? Literally. What's through, the process through which it's going to be healed? Through the wounds of Christ. That's not what it says here in Isaiah. We know that's true. Yes. We know that's how we have access to it. But that if you're just reading Isaiah, jump. Yeah. It was but, your pious but if jump. I was if I was doing this, it would actually be through kind of a Matthew twenty five, like clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, like Matthew twenty five or Isaiah fifty eight for Pete's sake. Ex- exactly. Yeah. 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 Th- that you share your food and you and you actually care about other people and you will be healed. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's hard to get around that. And this is not, you know, there's this whole Protestant dichotomy, you know, we're saved by works. No, we're saved by faith. Well, yes, we're saved by both. We're saved by faith that actually works itself out in our lives. Well, it's, so it's, we have to do these things. Well, it's like this principle, when in doubt, get in service, man. If you're struggling or you're in some sort of weird mm. place, go make your roommate dinner. Like, seriously, yeah. like, make a snack for your friend. Like, you know, r- make your mom a picture and draw her something and say, Mom, I love you. And, like... I'll, you, Do you know. hear that, my kids? <laughs> Draw mom a picture. <laughs> Dude, see, we have a very wide variety. We have kids who listen to us. Do we? We really do. And oh, they, so they sorry, actually love listening to you. Because <laughs> who does? The kids. No, they don't. Okay, I don't believe you. But I mean, that's great. I believe me. That's okay, cool. that's okay. good. Thanks, kids. Time. Well, no, wait. Sorry, one more thing on that. Please. Okay. Please. And this leads us into the response where Okay, please. There is a theme that I've noticed that I don't know what to do with because I want to take it really deeply and really profoundly, but I don't know if you can or not. So this is where I'm going to need your help. And it's in the psalm as well. There's this theme about light and darkness. Mm. So remember in in the first reading, it talks about you will be light. And actually, if you jump down to the end, it talks about then uh, then light shall rise for you in the darkness. The gloom or the darkness shall be to you like midday, the brightest time of the day. So there's all these themes of light and darkness. And then the psalm talks about the just man is like light uh, in darkness to the upright. So if you're a Jewish person mm-hmm. who is steeped in the Old Testament, yeah. what's the first pr- thing you think of when you think of light and darkness? I think of the creation story. I think of creation. Genesis. God brought light out of darkness. So there's all these themes about light. There's light, there's dark, there's light, there's dark. And I'm thinking about creation. I mean, I'm thinking like a good Isn't isn't that a uh, joke about a nun rolling down a hill? (laughs) 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 I'm sorry. Only a Carmelite. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or Dominican. Of Dominican. Light and then dark. Light and dark. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know what I'm saying? So there's something going on here, I yeah. feel like, because there's not, nothing's coincidental in the scriptures no. or the way the scriptures are tied together. So I'm thinking of creation. I mean, that theme also comes up. Um, I think it was Michael Bergsman on his webpage today. He, there's also this theme. Light and darkness, I think, would also remind people of the Exodus story. Remember when God led them in the wilderness through the pillar of light, the pillar of fire through the darkness? Yeah. So this idea of being set free. 
I mean, the creation theme is huge. You know, there's this idea of what what is creation? What is God's act of creation? It's God bringing order out of chaos. Remember, the Genesis narrative starts with chaos. God brings order out of it. Yeah. It starts with darkness. God brings light out of it. So what is he doing? What is he telling us? He's saying, your nation is in ruin. Your people have strayed far from me, and I'm going to recreate them in a certain sense. How am I going to do it? Well, Jesus is going to show us how that's going to happen. Yeah. So anyway, those are the things that are floating around in my head. Dude, that's good. That's what I got. All right. I don't have much to say um, uh, about the, the psalm. So let's, can we just jump into the gospel? We have something to say about the psalm. Oh, you have something to say. Why don't you say it? Okay. So the psalm, the response really is actually the just man that... is a light in darkness to the upright. Yes. Or, hallelujah. <laughs> or, hallelujah. <laughs> yes. um, so again, you get the light and dark theme. But the one thing that's interesting about this, and again, I've got all these facts and, and, um, References to things floating around my head, and I don't know exactly how they tie together. But one thing that's interesting about this responsorial psalm is that this psalm is is set up in the acrostic style. You know, what an, you know what an acrostic is, right? Isn't that somebody who's really mean and like they attack people? <laughs> what are you? What is that reference? Acrostic. Acosting. Thank you. Uh, I couldn't get yeah, there. I couldn't yeah, get my mind yeah, there. Yeah, that's that's okay. It's yeah, cor- corrosive. Good. If something is acrostic, then they're. Uh, Stop accosting me. Ah. (laughs) No, seriously. (laughs) Acrostic is is where um, the poem starts with the letter of a word or an alphabet or something? Yeah. So the first line, so the first word of the first line begins with the first letter of the alphabet. So it'd be like, so this is a 22-verse, 22-line psalm. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So the first line begins with the equivalent of the Hebrew A, Aleph. And the second one is bet, you know, and the third is C, D, E, F, G, all the way down to, to tau, which is the last letter of the alphabet. So, in other words, every line um, corresponds to one of the letters of the alphabet. And the way that's usually used is, I mean, why would something actually have an alphabetical formulation? Well, the idea is that it covers everything from A to Z, right? From the beginning to the end. It's all oh. encompassing. That's why you would often use an acrostic style, because you're trying to show through this beautiful literary technique that it's it's all encompassing. It also helps you remember. It's you know rhythmic and it, it it just helps the mind remember something that would have been orally passed on initially. So again, that's a that's a fact about this. I don't know exactly how to connect it, but again, if there's this theme of creation, God is recreating everything. I'm thinking to myself, okay, your nation has been obliterated, and He actually says, remember in Isaiah six. He talks about, um, you know, the people are going to be blind, they're going to be deaf, they're going to be so far away from me. Isaiah says, okay, how long is this going to last? And he says, until the, nation's, until the nation lies waste and it's obliterated and there's nothing left. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's nothing left of the people of Israel in a certain sense, even, even spiritually and, and um, you know, their, their morale is destroyed. So what is God going to do? What is he going to do through his Christ? He's going to rebuild everything from A to Z, the entirety of creation, is going to be rebuilt. That's not. I'm reading into it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's uh, there's something that the Holy Spirit is doing through this, these words. I'm trying to put it together. I, I think it's really cool that Tau is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet because, in some sense, it's like every oh everything leads towards the to the cross. cross. That's awesome. And so, and so, so if if you want to know who the righteous and just man is, you're going to land yourself. You're going to land at the cross. Ooh, you land at the cross. That's really good. Yeah, alpha, really cool. alpha and Omega, baby. Dude. Beginning and the end.
Oh, that's Greek. I forgot what language. I was like, wait a second. We just <laughs> thought it was Tau. I left it I know. Actually, I did the same thing. I was like, oh, no. I was like, I totally ruined everything. I, I thought you did for a second. Yeah. All right. So anyway, that's why I got on the, on the psalm. Dude, that's really good. That was actually, that was a good. We're, we're, start, we're, we're starting to get it here. We're, we're, I think it's coming together. Okay. So. Right, first Corinthians. No, gospel. Dude, we, I just got to start there. All right. And then, and then, and then dude, then the Corinthians are going to be illuminated by okay, what I'm about okay, to do. Okay. 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 Um, Take us to Matthew. Okay, Matthew. Okay, we, here we are. Um, I love salt, dude. You you do love salt. You should see all the salt that Father Peter has in his house. I was collecting salts before it was like a Vogue thing to collect salts. Is it a Vogue thing it to is, collect It is. It is, actually. Dude, you all you way Vogue more salt collectors out there. Dude, absolutely. And, and I mean, it's like, ridiculous. I have all sorts of crazy stuff. And I even one time I got, I got in the mail from a gal who was entering the convent a package no explanation, no understanding of, of a little jar filled with black rocks. Really? And I was like, why did she send me a jar of black rocks? Yeah, that's strange. And so I had it sitting on my desk as this mystery. And I was like, with because she entered the convent. And so I couldn't talk to her for a year. It was like one of those moments <laughs> where it was like the final say that she said to me was black rock. And I oh, was like, geez. and so finally I was like, I'm just going to I'm just going to taste the rock. And so, so you didn't know what it was. No, it was just a black rock. It was just black rocks. It was just a, a thing full of black rocks. It turns out it was lava salt. Oh, lava she salt. She sent me salt as her parting action of love. As her so, parting action. And lava salt at that. Yeah. And that was uh, that was um, Sister Joan of Arc. Awesome. Oh, Sister Joan of Arc, who yeah. was, we've brought up NPR a lot lately today on this podcast. Yeah, she was in on NPR. Remember that? Oh yeah. NPR did a story about the Nashville Dominican sisters and how, inexplicably sisters to them at least, there was this this order that's just growing and booming and doing all these things. And there was a picture on their website of Sister Joan of Arc just schooling some little kid in basketball in her full habit, which is just a really cool picture. <laughs> do you is, remember that? Yeah, absolutely. That was the best. Yeah. And so um, anyway, so salt of the earth. So whenever we see salt of the earth, I this is like one of my favorites. Okay. Here's this question. What is the, the word, what does it mean if salt loses its taste? Okay. And so a, a little bit of investigation. Uh, the Greek word is uh, moranathe, um, uh, which is um, uh, uh, being made insipid. Okay. Or, depending on made how it's... Sip, made insipid? Yeah. Interesting. But this is the thing is is that it's you that's that translation is unique only to the moment of salt. Everywhere okay. else that it's used, it is actually to be made silly or foolish. Really? Yeah. Which is which is just really kind of crazy connection. What if you're the salt of the world? But what if salt is made silly or foolish uh, to become be, be, to make um to be made a simpleton? So it, it's used. Wow. It's it's uh it's uh, so you're it's being like um prove a person or a thing foolish or flat or tasteless. So wow. so it's like a literary. It's a, a poetic expression to say, um, what if you end up foolish as the salt of the earth? What what can make you not foolish anymore? You're there's nothing that that you ultimately you'll be trampled under humanity's foot. You are explaining Paul's letter to the Corinthians, by the way. Right? I there's, know. Oh, you knew you were doing that. Yes. Oh. 
<laughs> that's why we start. Good. That's why we started okay. in the gospel. I thought you just had nothing to say, and you were hoping something would come to you by the time we were done with the gospel. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, sorry. Go, please keep keep Dude, plowing. You, you judged me. No, I didn't. I have your back, man. No, man, I have yours too. Oh, thanks. I know you do. I do. I, so, okay. so it's just it's this total moment where wow, where where Jesus is talking about the nature of of the discipleship. <laughs> sorry, pardon me. Little technical difficulty. Technical Everything's fine. Everything's good. And um, and so uh, now, if we look at the reading from First Corinthians, can I? Okay, you do that. I have more to say about salt. Oh, dude, well, well, I do too. Again, I'm this I'm this wealth going. of facts right now that I'm struggling to find a context for. But you having said so, um, everything that Jesus mentions in that Sermon on the Mount imagery, so the salt of the world, salt, light, and a city on a hill. Right, those are kind of the big three images he pulls up, right? Mm-hmm. So, what common thing to the audience that he's speaking to would salt, light, and a city on a hill have to do with? Dude, it's the temple it's sacrifice. The temple. Well, it's the temple. Because didn't the, wasn't there something to do with salt sacrifice? There's a lot to do with salt in the temple sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. So there's two two things really, two major things. So salt, number one, it was uh, priests always used salt. They put them on the sacrifices. Number one, as a symbol of purity. Because it got rid of blood. Because it got rid of blood. That, that's so what that's, koshering is. Exactly. It's the salting process. So it, it purifies. So if we're to be like salt, what are we supposed to do? Purify. Purify. But it also does another thing, which preserves. I think is preserves. It preserves. For what? Well, in the te- you know, in, in there's two things. In the temple, it would preserve the sacrificial meat to do what with? Have priestly meals? Yeah. To consume, to actually eat. So I'm trying to find the tie-in here. I mean, I'm thinking Eucharist. I'm thinking temple sacrifice. I'm thinking salt preserving for the sake of purifying uh, uh, and then eating. Well, no, no. Here, that's why we have to go back to Corinthians now. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, when right. I came to you, brothers and sisters, proclaiming the mystery of God, I didn't come with sublimity of words or wisdom. No. I resolved uh, to know nothing when I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Mm. Okay, so, so— Can I point out something before you go on with that? Yes. It, it's totally ironic because what— do, what do we think of when we think of Paul? What do we know about Paul? Paul is like the absolute most, uh, the wisest. The most wise, articulate, again, sublime with words. A teacher of teacher all with that existence. Yes. So what's he doing? Is he just, is he just you know, being overly humble or false humility like, or what? <sighs> well, well, no, actually the thing about Paul and this, I think there's evidence in this in other, other letters. Paul's brilliant on paper. But you get the sense that he's actually not much in person, that he's a great writer. He's not an incredibly eloquent speaker. Oh. Because he actually, in 2 Corinthians, well, this actually comes back up. They stuff, too. And they, they, partially because he doesn't speak well, he's short in stature, he's not very attractive, he says, and he's not articulate and all these different things. So I think they actually, at 2 Corinthians, they kind of call him a paper tiger. Like, you're, you're this big deal on paper, and you make all these big threats and big statements, but then you show up, and you're like, who is this guy? He's not much. <laughs> yeah. He's not much. It's interesting though that he well that. It, well and and but something's happening because the Corinthians are are Greek in their approach so that yeah. they're they're not Hebrews so when no. he's saying I'm right. I'm resolved not to be eloquent he says because I don't of want course. I don't want it to rest on just merely the fact that you you're so intelligent that yeah. if I'm going to give you sublimity of uh, of understanding th- yeah. th- then what's going to end up happening is that you're going to rely and you're going to remain in a Gnostic position absolutely. So Jesus, what does he say? He says, I proclaimed him crucified. Yeah. So he is the true sacrifice. Yeah. Now, what's, what's happening is that 
um, but but he, he to be made foolish. Um, uh, this this is the this is the thing is the Greeks look for wisdom. Yeah. Hebrews look for signs. signs. So what is he giving the Greeks? He's giving the Greeks signs, sign value stuff. So that um, uh, hmm. uh, hmm. is that um, and because um, that ultimately okay yeah we're gonna we're gonna take the analogy far and we're i'm reaching here this okay. is the, the, dude we're, out, I'm, I'm i'm on the knife's edge of holy spirit <laughs> action here okay if um what is blood what is blood blood is the life force of something Yes. So, yes. so what was happening is, is you have the Hebrew sacrifices, and the blood would always be removed. You're not allowed to eat blood. There was just you were shut down on the blood the whole time. Okay. You had to burn. You know yeah. what I mean? You, you yeah, were koshering, yeah, yeah. and like you had to separate that out until finally Jesus comes and says, "I want you to drink my blood." Okay. And you're like, "What? Wait, what now? What?" And so he says, "Which is what they say in John six. Like, you want what? What? Yeah. So, so this is the thing is because he because. We so that we can understand how dramatic it is to take the life force of God directly into yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now that we do that, we are meant to um, uh, salt is to prepare a sacrifice. So mm. you salt it so that you can you can immolate it. Yeah. And so you are the salt of the world. What we're meant to do is we're actually to, meant to take up all of the world's life force. Oh wow. To oh, prepare, wow. to prepare Holy the cow. prepare the world for sacrifice, to preserve it, to preserve it, to purify it, to purify and to it. prepare it for sacrifice. Absolutely! Ooh, wow! And so, and, and who? Wait a second. Who does that though? Who purifies things, preserves them, and prepares them for sacrifice? You tell me. In the Old Testament, you tell me. There's only one group of people that do that: Levites. The priests. Yeah. So what is Jesus actually saying in the Sermon on the Mount about us, about everyone in front of him? That they're priests. You are priestly. You are priestly. Not like, yeah. A city set on a hill. Yeah. You have become the temple. (laughs) (laughs) I feel all shivery. You are the light of the world. Like, this is the thing is that he he democratized the temple. Wow. And so that you he did so that he he released it and expanded it and sent it to the whole world. Well, how does he have any right to democratize the title, the temple though? Because he is the he's temple. the temple. He is the temple. And so yeah. so um, what, what's happening is that like uh, being made foolish. Yes. Um, is is ultimately. Uh, I mean, you. Le- I look at Corinthians, and, and what does it look like for them to be a fool? It's to yeah. rely upon their own knowledge and not the the sign yeah. that Christ is. Yeah. It's, it's it's to be gnostic. I mean, gnostic gnosticism is today still a profoundly difficult reality, oh, and yes. we fall into it. And we think, oh man, if only I knew enough. Right. If I only grasped this enough. I mean, you're listening to this podcast here because they want to know more. I want to know more. I want to know more. But our, my salvation isn't reliant upon my no. knowledge. It is. No, it's it's, re, it's reliant upon the fact that Jesus is the sign. It's the it's the end of the acrostic. It's he is wow. the righteous man. It, it, it's it's that it's that it all lands in the cross. Yeah, and that and that ultimately, anytime we share our bread with the hungry, we do good works. What we're doing is we're we're um uh, we're not trying to garner salvation, but we're trying to. Uh, prepare our hearts and prepare our, our way to actually understand and to see the sign of Christ who gave himself, who fed the hungry, who clothed the naked, who is all of those things. And if 
the more we participate in them, the more we actually become like the salt that can take it all up. We can take everything up and participate in this um, priesthood of Christ. Wow. Yahtzee. Booyah. Booyah. Which, and by the way, um, what is the number one use for um, salt in the whole world? Sixty percent of the salt in in uh, all of the United States. I want to say roads. Yeah, the salting of roads cast out under feet. Oh, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> whoa! Yeah, old Did you guys catch that? Yeah. So what it says, in case you didn't catch that, what it says in the reading is that you're the salt of the earth. If salt loses its taste, is silly. What whatever you said. Yeah, what can it be seasoned with? What can it be seasoned? It's no longer good for anything to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So you just said 60% of the salt in the United States is thrown out to be trampled underfoot? Yeah. Holy and, cow. And the world, actually, in fact. the world. The, that's the, a scary... I mean, again, if we're making analogies, I think that's a fairly safe analogy. The, the road is wide and broad that leads to perdition, whereas you must take the narrow way. But it's more than that. It's that you've actually... I mean, think about it. This is, this is what the new evangelization that the Pope's talked about was, right? We are actually baptized. We have millions of people who are baptized who have actually been ontologically made into salt in a very real profound way who have no idea that they've actually been changed and are taking this reality in the sense even unknowingly perhaps throwing it off onto the road to be trampled underfoot how many 60 percent sounds like a pretty fair bet i mean of the people think of the amount of people who've been baptized who've been received the sacrament who have no idea what that means 70 percent of college students leave their faith in their years uh between 19 and 21 oh yeah 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 70% man. And what does that mean? 70% take their take their reality of salt and throw it out to be ca- trampled underfoot. And and the and the world tramples them underfoot is really is really the truth of it. Isn't that an interesting change of grammar? It's not that they are simply trampled underfoot, but the world tramples them underfoot, which is totally the reality of what's happening. Yes. They are trampled down. And 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 what uh, And we see this every day. We what, deal with students all the time that are trampled. And so when you th- see this, you say, "Okay, yeah, they are so trampled and it's rough to see." Wow. But this is the thing is that that's the foolishness. Wow. It's like you look at the word foolishness in the Old Testament to be made f- a fool of, to yes. play a fool. That is what we're not about doing. We're not foolish. We're we're um um, uh, the f- the fool cannot see the other. I mean, the fool does not see the other. Whereas the foolish yeah. um, is is missing. And so, wow. I uh, so there you go. Don't put your lamp under a bushel basket because it'll catch fire and set your whole place in a blaze. In a blaze. That's true. Yeah. That happened. Well, <laughs> that happened to you. Well, sort of. So we have this little. <laughs> we'll end on this now. Okay. We have this little. Annie and I have these little bedside lamps that you mm-hmm. like tap the the base and their light turns on. They're really cool. Yeah. Um, but I went to turn mine on the other night, <laughs> and uh, I didn't realize. But Samuel, my son, my two year old son, had shoved a bunch of CDs <laughs> in there in between, so they were jammed against the light bulb and the and the <laughs> what is it, the lampshade. Uh-huh. And there was all this pressure, so when I tapped the lamp, it literally blew up into a huge flame. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> Good morning. And it melted the melted the CDs, blew into flames. <laughs> I don't have a lamp anymore. That's the bottom line. Just, so watch what you put under your lamp. Shade. Yeah, yeah. Put the right stuff, and, not CDs. And so may you all enjoy your salt especially well this week. Indeed. Well, there you have it, everybody. Happy fifth Sunday of ordinary time. And Happy Shout outs. Do we have shout outs? Shout outs. Um, 
<laughs> do you? No. I, I think I think somebody sent a shout out to shout no, out to no. ourselves. What? I, I think didn't get that. A- a- Angie Angie said, "Why don't you shout Angie yourselves Harder? out?" Yeah. I she didn't send it to me. Thanks a lot, Angie. Yeah, I think I got it on Facebook, but I can't remember where I got it. And I feel like I got it weeks ago, but maybe I didn't. I don't know. Um, maybe. A lot of I mean, thank you. A lot of people have we haven't gotten many shout outs, but a lot of people have given us feedback that you're really enjoying the show. Um, that you're actually getting something out of it, which is an incredibly humbling thing for us. So thanks for your feedback. Um, do send us your your shout outs. We like those. We like them, everyone. Yes. You don't God, have to. God bless you, and um, we hope that you have a salt-worthy week. Yes, God bless us, everyone. <laughs> and we will be back next week, so enjoy the cold. It's probably cold everywhere in the country. So. Yeah. Suck it up. Okay. <laughs> All right, see you next Bye. week, everybody. We love you. Bye. Wait, wait, wait. Find us on Facebook and pin us on Pinterest and send us an email. ThomasCenterLankyGuys.com. Org. Da, dot org. So somebody offered to make a Pinterest page for us. Do it, man. Find <laughs> us on Pinterest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. See you, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.